0: As digitalisation sweeps the industry, technology advisory firm Intuitus drops by to discuss cleaning up PE's due diligence processes and the firms polishing their operational expertise in the field. How has the coronavirus transformed technology due diligence? What opportunities are waiting for portfolio companies in their data rooms? We'll find that out and more on this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Unquote Private Equity podcast. I'm Catherine Hidalgo, and I'm speaking with Adrian Astley-Jones, the Chief Commercial Officer for Intuitus. Thanks very much for being with us, Adrian.
1: No problem, Catherine. Nice to join you today.
0: So I wanted to quickly start off with kind of the major topic that's on everyone's mind, of course, the coronavirus, and to ask you kind of how, how the aftermath of the coronavirus kind of will affect the way that IT due diligence will be performed in the future are you already seeing major changes
1: um i guess we're seeing some uh, subtle changes perhaps is how i would describe them um and i guess the first thing to say is that and this might be stating the obvious which will probably be the same for a majority of advisors is um there's a lot less of diligence being done at the moment for obvious reasons and Therefore, you know, we have to look at how we deploy our teams in, in most effective ways when those opportunities come around. So, so that's the first point. I guess the second thing is really um, around when we're being asked due diligence at the moment, The well, it, it is all of it at the moment, is uh, remote diligence. So typically pre-COVID to, to undertake technology or IT due diligence, we would be always going on site to the target company so we would want to spend you know one two three days with the target company with their management their cto really um you know looking in the whites of their eyes and prodding and poking for evidence um that is clearly not able to be done at the moment so most of our diligence or all of our diligence should i say at the moment is being done remotely and that makes it more challenging to a certain extent. So, you know, it, we're, we're, we're using video links, we're using, you know, better use of data rooms, referencing third parties data sources that we've, we've had off all of the deals we've done historically. Um, but it is a it is slightly, slightly different way of doing it. And I guess maybe the third thing uh, around that question, Catherine, is, um, there are, you know, there are firms whereby at the moment, because it's so competitive, because there are fewer assets on the market, um, not only do you have to do the diligence remotely, but you're doing it outside in. So you, you don't even get a chance to do video conferences or calls with the management. It's literally um, trying to um, work and agree on a scope of work with our private equity client, and then answer those questions via data room analysis and so on and so forth.
0: Hmm, interesting. and. Um, I also wanted to ask, because, you know, we've got um, an, a variety of different listeners and and uh, and all from different backgrounds, and I wondered if you could describe the variety of different approaches that you see towards IT due diligence from different types of PE houses.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, generally the way that we see the market across all of Europe is... Um, y- you get some firms who are very, very bought into IT and technology diligence and they see it as a fundamental part of the, the diligence process alongside, you know, financial, legal, commercial. Um, and there are a lot of those firms who, you know, in our view would be more enlightened and, and see tech, tech and IT diligence as a really important part. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, there are, there are firms out there who are less enlightened, if I'm being honest about it, you know, and they they will perhaps have a higher appetite for risk um, or deal fees. They're, they're more constrained on deal fees and therefore take a view which is we don't think IT and tech diligence is as high up the list for, for us and therefore um, they they either don't do it or they do a very slim down cut version of it. And, and you know, so there are still those extremes out there in the market. I, I think there is probably, though, having said that, a general trend towards tech and IT due diligence being much more of a central part of the diligence process. So, for example, if you think six, seven years ago, um, there were quite a lot of firms who just wouldn't look at IT and tech as a diligent stream. Whereas now, as the world's evolved, as private equity has become even more sophisticated, um, they're investing in firms which invariably have tech in them at some point, it, it becomes a really critical point, not just in terms of diligence and downside risk, but in terms of validating the value creation plan and so on.
0: Um, so speaking to some of your colleagues at uh, they they kind of mentioned that some private equity firms have been exploring ways to monetize the data in portfolio companies' systems. Uh, I was sound, this sounded really interesting to me and I'm sure it will to some of our listeners. Can you explain this process and, and why it's such an attractive proposition?
1: Well, first thing is it's, it's, it, that's not an easy thing to do, okay? Um, what, what you typically find in, in a lot of the work that we do is there will be lots of data within a target business. Um, it's often in, in a not particularly structured environment. So the first point of call is trying to understand that data and put it make it available in a structured way. And that might be just for simple things like management information, you know, good accounting processes, so on and so forth. And then once you've got to that stage, people are now definitely looking at, wow, data is an important part of the customer experience, the customer journey. And therefore, can I use that data to commercialize it, whether it is, um, you know, using the data to improve or introduce a new service, or whether it is, you know, commercializing it as a third-party revenue stream and so on and so forth. So that is that is definitely something that we see. It is difficult to do for sure, um, but we've seen that across a number of industries, you know, even in manufacturing supply chain industries or distribution businesses where there'll be multiple um, suppliers into a distribution hub, um, multiple points of data across multiple product sets and Without aggregating and understanding that data, it's very difficult to improve simple things like delivery times or identifying which products are most needed on particular times of the day. So you can have your inventory um, fully optimized to supply customers at the peak time that they want your product. So, you know, things like that are all pretty interesting. Um, and I think we do definitely see more of that as our private equity clients become more aware and more um, educated on data and the, and the power of data.
0: Very interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how that trend uh, progresses in the future. Uh, going going back to kind of the more operational side of private equity firms, have you seen a trend towards operational expertise uh, amongst your clients um, in your time with Intuitus? And, and if so, how has that kind of changed your business?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely there is a, there's been a trend to in, in the tech and digital environment to for private equity firms and our clients to hire um, either operating partners on a full or part-time basis who have a technology or an IT background or, or, a, or a IT stroke operations background. So that's that's not particularly sort of new. I think that's been going on in the industry for quite a long time, so although there's probably slightly more of it on the IT side of it now. But I think the, the, the more significant change over the last, I would say, two, three, four years, is private equity firms hiring chief digital officers. So specifically people who have operational um, sector relevant expertise in how you need to run an organization and maximize the value across digital and technology. So these guys and and girls will typically be hired, again, some of them full-time, some of them are part-time and they'll be asked to assess the portfolio where are digital opportunities, where are technology opportunities, you know, going back to our discussion there on data, where are the data opportunities. And they'll also be asked to um, often join in the um, the acquisition process. So we'll often speak to, to chief digital officers within the private equity firm during acquisitions. They'll support the diligence process. They'll support the deal teams. So in terms of what it means for us is, those those individuals are a a key stakeholder for us so we we definitely go out of our way to identify and engage and build relationships with those people
0: and uh, i wanted to ask you also about the biggest obstacles that that portfolio companies typically face when it comes to their it systems you know like when a private equity firm might come to you and say oh we're facing these issues what what are those typically
1: um well it's hugely varied and 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 it it will it will vary to an extent with the deal size and deal structure. So as an example, in the sort of lower mid-market or mid-market where firms are more likely to be acquiring you know, a, what, what might have been a family-owned business or a, you know, a sole shareholder business that's grown up over the years and that person or that family wants to realize some value, um, it's not uncommon to find that IT and technology has, has been underinvested. Um, You know, it might not be what I would say falling apart or creaking at the seams, but, but it's usually that IT and technology has been seen as purely a cost within that business as opposed to seeing something that can add and drive value. So, you know, those challenges can be. The, the fact that, you know, you, you haven't had a strategic view on technology, so therefore you haven't had a really good view of how how technology can drive value in the business. It might be that you've simply underinvested, so so you know, your systems are, are rather dated, your infrastructure is dated. Um, you know, it, it could be a bunch of different things like that, and obviously during the diligence process, that throws out a number of risks and or opportunities, depending on how you see them. Um, whereas if you go to the you know, the, the the larger buyout end of the market, those challenges are, um, you know, are, are different, okay? Because those those businesses are typically got professional CIOs, large IT and technology departments. Um, it's more a question in that environment around how can we supplement and improve from a better baseline? So some of those challenges might be around, um, like we've referred to data, um, building better teams to implement new services, new products. Um, And then, you know, there's probably some generic ones that fall across that. So an obvious one would be cyber. Um, You know, cybersecurity is massively important across all businesses now to state the obvious. Um, It used to be three or four years ago, there would just be conversations around, wow, you know, it's a tech business. So let's make sure we've got cyber in a really good place. Whereas now, across all businesses and across all sectors even traditional you know what you could describe as bricks and mortar or supply chain businesses cyber is is massively important and understanding you know the, the 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 value attached to your information assets is a is a is a really important task not only from the management team's point of view but definitely from the investors point of view because often there can be hidden value in there
0: Mm, absolutely. And thank you for breaking down the market for us uh, like that. Uh, I, I I, also wanted to ask you uh, from the venture side, because I understand that the firm has worked with venture firms in the past to assess whether potential investment platforms are scalable, to achieve those kinds of forecasts that those types of businesses are usually aiming for. Uh, Prior to external investment, how regularly do you see startups' existing IT systems fit for the growth that that they're aiming for?
1: Yeah, I mean, we do quite a lot of work in the VC space. Um, So, I mean, it's a different dynamic for sure. the biggest challenge is really not necessarily tech related. So typically what you'll find is, you know, the technology is written in relatively, you know, modern uh, coding and, and processes. The architecture is, you know, microservices and is flexible and scalable. Um, it, it usually comes down to actually the team, you know, do, do we have a team who have scaled the business rap- a business rapidly before do they know how to do that? If they don't, how do we support them? That's where maybe operating partners come in, like we were talking before um, or external advisors, um, you know, or chairman. Um, So it's often around um, really more around the people. And then to an element of how differentiated within the market is that, that new tech platform or new tech offering, you know, so does it have anything that's dramatically unique And, and that's, Again, I would say that's not necessarily a technology issue. It's often around how the technology is put together and are there any really unique processes that allow them to either, for example, serve data more quickly, offer a unique offering because they're transacting at a higher level, so on and so forth.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, and I also saw that uh, Intuitous has worked with Waterland, the major buy and build investor. I wanted to know kind of on that front, um, how, how an IT platform can can assist in the implementation of a buy and build strategy?
1: Yeah, good question. So we, we do a lot of work supporting our clients on buy and build. Um, Waterland would be one, but there's, there's definitely lots more. Um, it really, I mean, first, first thing I think is it, it requires an investor who understands that technology can actually add value if you create the right platform. So typical questions will get asked during the diligence process and around the value creation plan is, I'm going to go on a buy and build strategy, okay? Um, let's assume it's in the uh, supply chain space. Um, if I buy five companies, they've all got different ERP or MRP solutions and their data is in different places, what does that mean for my investment strategy? Does it mean that it's going to take me two more years to maximize my exit value because it's going to take two years additional time to pull together systems? Or does it mean it's going to uh, you know, not hinder me at all because actually I can run all these systems pretty much as they are? or? Does it mean something different? Which is, I could pivot the business if I really drive a check now technology platform, and I look at technology from a different angle. You know, will it, will it allow me to do something actually really, you know, over and above any of the value creation plans that I thought I had? So, um, you know, buy and build again. It's got many, many connotations, and, and technology is definitely a, a, a view on that. I mean, we do, we do also come across other buy and build situations where. In, and this sort of relates back to my earlier point where it's not not always the technology. You can fix technology problems. It's usually a, a question of how long and how much would it cost to fix the problems. What's more important, I think, for for our clients on a buy and build process is, you know, if I build the technology platform and I put the right components together, will it offer a differentiated service wrapper? You know, so I build blocks A, B, and C, and if I do that in the right way, it, allows me to offer my client a brand new service stream that's ultimate value creation whereas you know the the, sort of the first block in value creation might be i'm buying a supply chain business i'm going to internationalize it and roll it out does my first uh, first acquisition with the erp system i'm buying with that does it allow me to roll that out internationalize it across europe north america so on and so forth and if the if the answer to that question is no and the question then becomes what do I need to invest in that new ERP system, how much will it cost, how long will it take.
0: Absolutely and it's certainly an issue that uh, the market participants that I speak to uh, raise often in my conversations with them. I Finally I, I wanted to ask you if you could give us an idea of, of why private equity firms think your services add value and, and by how much, what, what kind of feedback do you get from your clients generally?
1: Well. I mean, in terms of the feedback, we, we we run net promoter scores and, you know, direct feedback, and we're very close to our clients. So I think we're pretty proud of our, our, our you know, scores and, and the feedback we get, which are all very positive. Why do clients think that we add value? I think it ultimately comes down to our business model and our years of experience in private equity. So one thing that has always remained true is that, our clients really value speaking to and engaging advisors who understand not only the sector, you know, so if if they're acquiring a travel business, they really want to speak to someone who understands travel in from a commercial point of view, but importantly, travel tech. Um, and they want also someone who understands those two things, but also private equity and what it means to do undertake diligence and what we're trying to do in diligence and also what it means to understand a value creation plan across the investment lifecycle. So if you pull all those things together, which historically Intuitous has done very well, um, that's the sort of core crux of our value proposition. Um, And having done this for the best part of 18 years now, we have obviously seen lots and lots of deals over a thousand thousand deals actually now it's more, more like 1200 i think deals across all sectors um so we can draw on a huge amount of experience and data points to to add into that overall value mix
0: wonderful um well it's great to hear your take and thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us today adrian
1: no problem thank you very nice to speak to you catherine thank you very much
0: i'm afraid that's all we have time for this week do look out for upcoming episodes on the DAC region and an H1 results update, as well as an Allocate special. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on Unquote.com. A very big thank you to our special guest, Adrian Astley Jones, our producer, Tim, and as always, a big thank you to you, too, listeners. Speak to you soon.